mindful. Every day I see or hear something that more or less kills me with delight, that leaves me like a needle in the haystack of light. It was what I was born for, to look, to listen, to lose myself inside this soft world, to instruct myself over and over in joy and acclamation. Nor am I talking about the exceptional, the fearful, the dreadful, the very extravagant, but of the ordinary, the common, the very drab, the daily presentations. Oh, good scholar, I say to myself, how can you help but grow wise with such teachings as these? The untrimmable light, the ocean's shine, the prayers that are made out of grass. Remember. Remember the sky that you were born under. Know each of the stars. Remember the moon. Know who she is. Remember the sun's birth at dawn, that she is the strongest point of time. Remember sundown and the giving away tonight. Remember your birth. How your mother struggled to give you form and breath. You are evidence of her life and her mother's and hers. Remember your father. He is your life also. Remember the earth, whose skin you are. Red earth, black earth, yellow earth, white earth, brown earth. We are earth. Remember the plants, trees, animal life, who all have their tribes, their families, their histories too. Talk to them, listen to them. They are alive poems. Remember the wind, remember her voice. She knows the origin of the universe. Remember, you are all people, and all people are you. Remember, you are this universe, and this universe is you. Remember, all is motion, is growing, is you. Remember, language comes from this. Remember, the dance language is, that life is. Remember. Earth Day. Mother Earth is her name in fables, but now we agree that the mothering needs to be done by the children who, whose reckless doings have aged her, creasing her brow, stooping her shoulders, and she's waiting for them to return from nights of drinking, from speeding, from thrills and icy roads. A sad figure, but easier to confront than the facts of melting glaciers and coastal flooding, of coral die-off and dunes encroaching on settlements. Compared to them, it isn't so hard to imagine the house of our mother that our mother waits in. Once a mansion, now a ruin. A roof rotted, the basement flooded, the heirloom furniture pawned away piece by piece, down to the rocking chair. A rocking chair nobody wanted and a bed of straw. Mother, I am celebrating you this day by working as one of a volunteer crew, walking the banks of Buffalo Creek with poles to fish out tires and shopping carts, rugs, galoshes, and paint cans, 
Let these be the signs of a pledge only a mother would trust to undo our history. But we can keep the metaphor. But can we keep the metaphor when all mothers in our families are obliged to grow old? We're children, hoping if we do our chores, an exception will be made in your case. So your back can straighten, your brow can unfurrow, your hair now gray, prove yellow wheat once again. White was the author of beloved books for children like Charlotte's Web and Stuart Little. He also wrote The Elements of Style, which is beloved to a different category of people. And he once said, every morning I awake torn between a desire to save the world and an inclination to savor it. This makes it hard to plan the day. And many of you have heard me say, share this quote before because it is one of my very favorites, and so I'm sure you will hear me share it again. It's one I return to again and again, both for its beautiful use of language and its meaning. It's one I return to again and again because I, like so many of us, live with the desire to both savor and save this world. And what is Earth Day? a day so many of us celebrated yesterday and that we honor and worship today, but a commitment to both save and savor this world. There is so much in this world to savor. We just need to open our ears, our eyes, and our hearts. As the poet Mary Oliver reminds us, every day I see or hear something that more or less kills me with delight, that leaves me like a needle in the haystack of light. This world is always waiting to almost kill us with delight, always waiting with tulips to squeeze or a bear digging into a pack or puddles to sit in. And Joy Harjo reminds us that the plants, the trees, and the animal life are all alive poems. We are surrounded by this natural poetry, this pretty planet, this garden, this harbor. There is so much to savor. That sa celebration and savoring is part of Earth Day, a holiday that many of us celebrated yesterday. Earth Day is a young holiday, first celebrated in 1970. It was first imagined by US Senator Gaylord Nelson, Democrat of Wisconsin. An oil spill in California was his wake-up call. He sought to echo the powerful social movements of that time and create a new movement devoted to preserving the environment. He partnered with others, including Republican Congressman Pete McCloskey, to launch the first Earth Day. They tell us over 20 million people participated in rallies and protests and teach-ins that day. And as the organizers describe it, it was a diverse group. Republicans and Democrats, rich and poor, city slickers and farmers, tycoons and labor leaders. Participants in those first Earth Day observation 
celebrations joined with others to make a real and lasting difference. Within a year, the Environmental Protection Agency was created, and the Clean Water Act, Clean Air Act, and Endangered Species Act were passed. It wasn't just Earth Day that made those changes and policies happen, but Earth Day was a piece of it. And as we gather today, years on, we know that the world still needs saving and savoring. We are surrounded by beauty, and I hope you can find some time for the savoring, perhaps on this beautiful plot of land here, lovingly maintained by members of this community. And we also know, as we savor, that the work of the environmental movement is not done. The laws that passed made a tremendous difference, and we celebrate those accomplishments and know that we are called to step into this legacy and carry this work forward. The natural world is in crisis, and our ecosystems need restoration. We know that climate change is real, and we are beginning to see the consequences of it more and more. We know this because we trust scientists. The guidance of reason and the results of science are among the sources of our faith and our ways of knowing as Unitarian Universalists. Many in this community marched for science yesterday. And what has the world come to when we need to march for science? And we know about these ecological crises because we trust the scientists and because we are seeing and feeling and witnessing it all ourselves as well. It's not just climate change. We know that aging infrastructure and chemical spills threatened our water. Nat natural and sacred places are threatened by oil and gas exploration and pipeline construction and the expansion of human settlement. The list of threats to our environment goes on and on and on. And as the poet Carl Dennis tells us, our Mother Earth sits in a rocking chair that nobody wanted in a dilapidated mansion with a rotted roof and a flooded basement. It's a painful metaphor, a true metaphor in some ways. And we all know this. This is hard knowledge to hold. The problems are so big and we are so small. I wish I could tell you that if we all just threw the right kind of birthday party, we'd have this problem fixed. And while that might be a step in the right direction, it's not the whole solution. It's a developmentally appropriate suggestion for children. And that matters, but you all get a different message, a message for adults. And I can't lay out a three-step process like I can with the children. I don't know our best way forward. I trust people more knowledgeable about science and public policy to point our way forward. And I know that if the path to sustainability was easy, if there was a simple flowchart or a checklist that we could do, we all would have done it by now. It's not a problem with a quick and easy technical fix, but an adaptive challenge, a challenge that calls us into new learning and new ways of being, saving the world likely involves drastic policy changes, a, re a reshifting of priorities, a reimagined way of life. It might include those of us who have more adjusting to a life with less, so all may have some.
And as we attempt to save our world, our blue boat home, we live with the tension of knowing that our individual efforts matter and they alone are not enough. It matters that we recycle, that we are thoughtful consumers, that we join the 10th Street cleanup after church next Sunday, that we drive less and bike or walk or take the bus more. And while all of these small decisions add up and have real impact over time, especially as we join with millions of others making similar choices, we also know this is not a problem that is solved by individual choices, even billions of them. So we live with the knowledge that our individual choices matter and they do not matter enough to change everything by themselves. We know that our individual choices matter and ripple out in ways that we cannot always anticipate and we know that restoration is collective. We know that the best question when faced with the big challenges before us is not, what can I do, but what can we do? We need to work together. Reverend Teresa Inasoto, who serves the Congregation Unitarian Universalist Congregation in Flint, has made the phrase, all of us need all of us to make it, a key piece of her ministry there. All of us need all of us to make it. None of us alone can save the world, no matter what decisions we make, no matter who we are. No one individual, no one community, no one country alone can do this work. Every being on the planet shares a destiny. And that's not always an easy truth. It's a hard truth to hold on to sometimes, but it's the true truth. And it's a truth that we can draw from our universalist heritage to live into. Our universalist spiritual ancestors believed that everyone goes to heaven, no exceptions, no matter what. God is loving and forgiving. And one way of rephrasing that is we all share a common destiny. We all share a common destiny. That is a spiritual truth and a scientific truth. We are all in this together, connected in one garment of mutuality, one interdependent web. We all share one earth, one blue boat home. All of us need all of us to make it. And it takes many of us to address the problems before us. We join together as committees and coalitions, communities, corporations, and countries to address the challenges before us. There's powerful collective action happening now. We saw that at the Earth Day festivities yesterday in Bronson Park. We see it in the commitment of local institutions like Western Michigan University to reduce their carbon usage, and the efforts to encourage the city of Kalamazoo to adopt a climate action plan. People's people are deeply involved in these efforts. We also know about collective action on the global scale, including the Paris Agreement, part of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. It is agreement to mitigate the greenhouse gas emissions that has been ratified by 143 countries, including ours, and it went into effect last November. There is real and valid criticism that these efforts might be too little, too late. We know that our current government threatens to walk away from the Paris Agreement, leaving its future in jeopardy. 
we know that the work of saving is never done. With the agreement ratified, the hard work of implementation is just beginning. When we read the latest headlines about an oil spill or chemical spill or the latest rollbacks of environmental protections, it can be hard to be hopeful. How can we be hopeful when our world is in peril? Dennis Hayes was one of the first or, one of the organizers of that first Earth Day, and he said that that first Earth Day was about encouraging people to think in new ways about large-scale environmental problems and let that knowledge inform their voting and consumption choices. But it was also, at its core, an invitation to an almost religious conversion. It was asking people to change their pattern of life in service to a higher purpose. And we are called to approach our commitment to the earth, to our common destiny, in the same way we make our other religious commitments. We make our religious commitments not because they are easy, but because they are right. We do not expect the life of integrity to win us immediate, tangible benefits, but the slow and steady satisfactions of a life well-lived. Reinhold Niebuhr was one of the most important Christian theologians of the last century, and he wrote, nothing worth doing is completed in our lifetime. Therefore, we are saved by hope. Nothing true or beautiful or good makes complete sense in any immediate context of history. Therefore, we are saved by faith. Nothing we do, however virtuous, can be accomplished alone. Therefore, we are saved by love. No virtuous act is quite as virtuous from the standpoint of our friend or foe as from our own. Therefore, we are saved by the final form of love, which is forgiveness. This, faith, hope, love, and forgiveness are what sustain us for the hard work we are all called to do. The hard work of continuing and building upon the legacy of Earth Day and all of the other commitments that our faith calls us to make. We know that being committed to the interdependent web of all existence and justice, equity, and compassion in human relations often requires new learning, self-sacrifice, and forgiveness of ourselves and others. We know that our efforts to save the world, whatever they might be, will likely not be realized in our lifetimes. We also know that we need to save and savor the world. We must return to what gives us joy and seek out the joy within, because that will give us the strength and courage and commitment to carry on this important work. We don't live with integrity and expect everything to change immediately. We live with integrity because it is right, even when it is hard. And we know that it matters to us and to the world. Marge Piercy is a poet that I turn to often. And she has one poem that has been echoing in my head and in my heart in the last few months. It is called The Low Road. She writes, what can they do to you? whatever they want. They can set you up, they can bust you, they can break your fingers, they can burn your brain with electricity, blur you with drugs till you can't walk, can't remember. They can take your child, wall up your lover. They can do anything you can't stop them from doing. 
How can you stop them? Alone you can fight, you can refuse, you can take what revenge you can, but they roll over you. But two people fighting back to back can cut through a mob. A snake dancing file can break a cordon. An army can meet an army. Two people can keep each other sane, can give support, conviction, love, massage, hope, sex. Three people are a delegation, a committee, a wedge. With four, you can play bridge and start an organization. With six, you can rent a whole house, eat pie for dinner with no seconds, and hold a fundraising party. A dozen makes a demonstration. A hundred fill a hall. A thousand have solidarity and your own newsletter. Ten thousand power and your own paper. A hundred thousand your own media. Ten million your own country. It goes one at a time. It starts when you care to act. It starts when you do it again after they said no. It starts when you say we and know who you mean, and each day you mean one more. That last part gets me every time. It starts when you say we and know who you mean, and each day you mean one more. The poem creates an image of this ever-expanding we. One more, one more, one more. A we that expands as we find kindred spirits and as we broaden our vision and remember that all of us need all of us to make it. A we that expands when we stop asking, what can I do, and begin asking, what can we do? This ever-expanding we reminds us that whatever is ahead, we are interdependent, we have a shared destiny, and we will face it together. So may this ever-expanding we act individually and collectively May this ever-expanding week create committees and coalitions, transform communities, corporations, and countries. May this ever-expanding we remind us that we are all in this together, connected in one garment of mutuality, one interdependent web of all existence that shares one common destiny. And may our vision grow so large that we remember that there is no they at all. It's just we. It's all we. So may we savor and may we save this beautiful, pretty, pretty planet. And may we say we and each day mean one more. May it be so. May we make it so. And amen.